Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So here we are this morning, continuing our study through the book of Mark. And while we're here on the sixth week of our study, we still find ourselves in chapter one. <laughs> this morning, we're going to be looking at Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. And, and as a quick side note, you know, last week we talked about the value of taking intentional time. Intentional and dedicated time to be with the Lord, to be with his word throughout our days. And, and as I have gone through, really, I think it, it started well before this time, but when we went through our study on the, the road less traveled and we kind of came to this, this recurring phrase that there's no wasted pages in the Bible. And that has kind of changed or or shaped in a way the way that this particular study is taking place. Because what I would say is typically if, and I don't think it's just typical to me, I think it's typical in Western church in general, if there's a study that's happening in a book of the Bible, Maybe we're taking it a chapter at a time. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we're, we're making a little bit more progress, right? We're six weeks in and we're still in chapter one. Um, but if I force myself to stop and just look at five verses, if we just stop and, and look at these five verses that are specific, specific, uh, demonstrating uh, how Christ is living, that they're illustrating how Christ is living, that are, are giving direction, giving guidance, then, I mean, shouldn't that be something that we stop and we look at and say, what, what is there for me to take from this? What is, what is there for me to receive from this? And as we, we look at the book of Mark, there's these, these two recurring themes that we've talked about at the very beginning that, that we're going to come in contact with over and over and over again. And the first is that Jesus is amazing. And the second is that discipleship is important. And so these two focuses come up over and over and over again. And as we see this morning, at, starting at, at, verse, at chapter 1, verse 40, Jesus is going to be encountering a man who's lived on the fringes of society for a very long time. And what we see this morning is that Jesus is not afraid of your mess. Maybe you need to hear that this morning, that Jesus is not afraid of your mess. When I was little, I would go over to my granny's house, if my parents were going out of town or, or sometimes just because. And one really big draw for their house was that they had cable TV. And that meant I could watch cartoons even when it wasn't Saturday, <laughs> which was a really big deal for a kid coming from a house that had four channels if 
I went out like 200 feet outside of our house and turned the antenna just the right way. And the wind wasn't blowing at a strong breeze. But sometimes when I was at their house, grandpa would want to watch golf. Not the same. (laughs) Not the same at all. And so it was those times that my granny would bring me into her craft room and I would watch cartoons in there. So Granny's craft room was kind of this time capsule of each of her hobbies that came and went over the years. And so we would have, you know, maybe a little pile of like spinning yarn and maybe a spinning wheel from when she was like spinning her own thread. She would have like a pile of basket weaving stuff where she was weaving uh, like Native American baskets and things like that when she was trying to do that. Or she would have all of these flowers and like just different assortments of stuff from the woods and pine cones and things like that when she was making wreaths and and she would do that or sometimes there would be days where she was making potpourri and so there would be all this dried flower stuff and you'd like sneeze every time you walked into the room so there's all of that and then there's stamps and so it just kind of was this constant conglomeration of all of these different things and as you can imagine and I'm sure none of you have a room like this um there, there was a lot of things in that room in a lot of places <laughs> to the point where the seven-year-old was struggling to find a spot to sit. And yet there was a space that would get made and, and it, to the seven-year-old kid watching cartoons, nobody really cares about the mess. But for some reason, whenever maybe I had a friend that would come over, a cousin would come over, other family members, and I'd want to come show them something in the craft room, for some reason, Granny always said no. <laughs> she, she didn't want other people to see the mess. Did you know that we all have messes? And I, I'm not talking about the mess in the craft room or the garage, but we, we probably all have those too. <laughs> I want us to, to go into an imagined scenario for just a minute. So, you're all out driving your car. And it's hot. It's really hot. It's, it's probably nowhere around here. You're, you're driving your car. It's hot. You just finished the last sip of your drink until you reach your destination. You're in an older car, so the AC isn't really working. You're sweating through your shirt. Your legs are sticking to the seats of your car because you're wearing shorts and you know how that happens. You're thoroughly uncomfortable. Now, I want you to imagine that that car breaks down right as you pull into the outskirts of town. There isn't a soul on the road. There's no cell service to speak of. The only person you see is some guy sitting on his, his porch in a chair. Seemingly just excited that there's, that there's somebody else to watch besides the tumbleweeds that have been going down the road. And he's been watching you to this point. He's watched you as you come to the sad realization that in the middle of this 100 degree weather, in the middle of your uncomfortable state, your car has broken down. And he's watching you come to the realization that you have to now push your car to the nearest service station in order to, to get this taken care of. Because otherwise your car is never going to to get taken care of. 
The, the service station's less than a mile away, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But man, is it going to be hot. And as you start pushing your car, the guy yells out from the porch. You know, it's a lot easier if you push your, put your hands a little bit lower down on the car and push. Huh. You know what else would make it easier? Is if a second person helped me push the car. You think to yourself. <laughs> But you continue pushing, hoping that the guy feels guilty enough to get up and actually help. But eventually he chimes in and saying, you know, you're going to have to push a lot harder because you're coming to a slight incline. So you might want to get a running start at it. And you finally decide that, you know, now is the time to straighten up and ask this guy for some help. But before you get a chance to, he gets up and he walks inside, closes the door, leaving you to push the car all the way to the service station on your own. Somehow that's how, sometimes that's how we help people that are in the middle of a mess. You know that? Do you understand what I mean? Sometimes people need real, concrete, immediate help, and we respond with something like, oh, I'll pray for you. Man, somebody should really take care of that. Somebody should really help address that need. I, I sure hope that gets taken care of. Instead of getting into the mess and addressing the issue ourselves. This morning we're going to see Jesus interacting with this man who faced a slew of political and social commentaries as to why he was the way he was and why he was being treated the way he was being treated. And yet Jesus didn't bother with any of that. Instead, he got into the middle of the mess and he met the guy where he was at. Imagine for a minute that you live with your family. You're during the, the biblical times and you're, you're living with your family in town. You have a job, you have friends, you, you celebrate all of the celebrations that you would celebrate as a Jew. And yet one day you find a spot on your arm. This discoloration of the skin on your arm, it's this white spot and Man, you immediately panic. This, this can't be what I think it is. This can't be that, that word that I don't even want to say. This can't be that thing that is going to change my life forever. And, and you just try to cover it up at first. And yet time goes on and it begins to spread and, and there, it becomes apparent that it's showing up in other parts of your body. And at one point, somebody sees. And they use that word that, that you have been trying to avoid ever since you saw that first spot and they call you a leper. They say, oh, you can't be here anymore. You can't be with your family. You can't be with your friends. You can't be in your house. You need to get out of the city. You need to go to this place that's completely outside of everything you have ever known. And this is your life now. A life that doesn't know touch. A life that doesn't know love. A life that doesn't know anything except to be apart. That's the best you can ever hope for. And then one day... 
one day you hear that there's a guy who's coming to town who's different. There's a guy who's coming to town who, who brings healing, who brings sight to the blind, who causes the lame to walk, who, who brings the dead to life, who casts out demons. And, and you say, well, if anybody can fix this, he can. But how do I get there? I'm on the outside and he's not going to come to the outside. And that brings us to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him and, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. That leper comes and... He ignores all of the, the rules, all of the laws, all of the regulations that say, you have to stay here. And he says, I don't have time to stay here. I need to see Jesus. If you will, you can make me clean. Leprosy is a vivid illustration of what sin does to us. If we look at the book of Leviticus, it's very clear on how leprosy is supposed to be treated. I'm not going to go through all of it because it's pretty specific. But if we, we look at uh, chapter 13 specifically, if you have leprosy, you are no longer to participate in any type of religious ceremony, any type of, of sacrificial process. You are not to be a part of that. You are unclean. Leprosy goes deeper than just surface level. It penetrates into your body. It spreads relentlessly. It does not stay in one place. It covers your entire body eventually. It makes you unclean. It isolates you from the rest of the community. And the only way to purge anything that comes in contact with it at that time was to burn it. And when we think about leprosy and then you contrast that or compare that to what is sin in our life, sin distances us from God. Sin goes deeper than just the surface level things that affect us. It spreads relentlessly. It makes us unclean. It isolates us from those that we love and the deserving punishment for sin it's death. But this leper is so desperate to reach Jesus that it causes him to neglect all of the customary procedures. It causes him to, did you know that when a procedure, when the leper wants to come into the city or has to come into the city or if somebody accidentally comes in contact with him, they're supposed to just yell out, unclean. 
They're supposed to proclaim in front of them that they're unclean so that they don't make other people unclean. And so how does this leper get into this city? He had to sneak in. That's the only way. That's the only way they would have let him in. So he sneaks past all of the the normal protocols, all of the normal processes that he would have had to follow to get into the city. And instead he finds himself at the only one who he knows can actually bring about the healing. If you will, you can make me clean. It's not if you can. If you will. As we look through scripture, there has never once been a time where Jesus said, that problem is too big for me. There is no mess in any of our lives that shocks or catches Jesus off guard. Jesus has the power to do all things. It doesn't always mean he will do all things. Paul prays for his his sickness, his affliction to be taken away, and the answer is no. Paul prays for his affliction to be taken away, and the answer is no. He prays and he asks that the affliction be taken away, and the answer is no. Why? But then the response in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. So we we have this leper that has come and then moved with pity, Jesus stretches out his hand and he touches him and he says to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy leaves the man and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. Can I tell you how Matt would have handled this particular situation? I would have seen the leper coming. I would have said, Jesus, heal this man. Be healed in Jesus' name. Why don't you come back in a couple of weeks if you're feeling good, if you look all clean, then let's get a a hug out of this. But that's not what Jesus did. The order is important here. Jesus touches the man first, and then he heals him. I said, never really paid much attention to that before. But can we just stop for just a moment and consider how impactful that must have been? Can you imagine for just a moment, and we don't know how long this guy has been a leper, but I think it's probably safe to say it's been a while. Can you imagine living on the outskirts for that long? Living only with other people that have this disease, not not being able to experience the touch of a loved one. And here, if you finally come to Jesus and you say, if you will, you can heal me. And the first thing that Jesus does is 
He touches him. Imagine not being touched for years and the first person to touch you is Jesus. And then after he touches the man, he says, I will be cleansed. And just like that, the, the leper is healed. Just like that, that one word that, def- that gives him identity in Scripture no longer applies. We don't know this guy's name. We don't know his family. The only thing we know about him is that he's the leper, but he's not anymore. So Jesus just cleanses the leper, where we would have all kind of been doing the end zone dance at this point, like, it worked. (laughs) But Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Jesus never wanted to gather followers who were only in search of the miracle. He was looking for people who were after more than just the handout. Jesus didn't condemn the the leper's disobedience for breaking the the old covenant, the the Old Testament laws for, for when he came in. He didn't rebuke him saying, oh man, you really shouldn't have come into the city or anything like that. But he did say, now that you're healed, we need to make sure you kind of follow the process here. We as the church have to, we have a fight that, that we have to wage consistently where we're breaking down the idea that before people walk through the doors of this church, they have to get cleaned up. It can't work that way. People should be coming here to get clean. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning, but it is so relevant. If we look at Exodus, God chose a people. God, God made a promise to Abraham. He made a covenant to Abraham. He said, your people are, are going to be my people. Through you, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. You are, you are going to be a, a blessed and chosen nation. And we then have the, the Israelite nation that grows over, over years, and then they find themselves in Egypt in, in slavery. God rescues them out of slavery, calls them his chosen people. He, he leads them out of Egypt. He leads them across the Red Sea. He guides them with a pillar of fire during the night and a, a pillar of cloud during the day. He feeds them. He shelters them. He protects them. He does all of these things for them. And it's only after he does that that he gives them the law. And he says, now that you are, are coming out as my people, it's now time for you to start looking like my people.
He could have given the law. He could have given all of the directions, all of the rules, all of the guidelines. He could have given that to them when they were still in Egypt and said, hey, once you guys get this sorted out, let me know and I'll show up. But he didn't do it that way. He rescued, he saved, and then he said, because you are my people, I want, I want you to live a life that reflects who I am. And this is how you do it. So we can't expect the people that are hurting, the people that are broken, the people that have specific needs to come in here and get everything taken care of first and then show up all polished and ready to go on a Sunday morning or, or whatever interaction we have with them as far as church is concerned. That's what God does after he saves. But the man went out and he began to talk freely about it, to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and the people were coming to him from every quarter. That's not the first time we're going to, or the last time we're going to hear that type of event take place in Jesus' ministry. And sometimes you read that and you're like, man, like he just asked for one thing. <laughs> like you couldn't just do the one thing. Well, could you? You know, we, we give the guy a little bit of a hard time, but could you? You had a disease that was actually being used to define who you were. It was your only identity and that has since been completely removed. You've been given a new life, literally a new existence away from the outskirts into the heart of the city and you shouldn't say anything about it. People who have been changed by Jesus cannot keep it to themselves. <laughs> And so what do, we, what do we see from this this morning? What, what is there for us to, to learn from this is that we should not be fearful of getting into other people's messes because Jesus was willing to get into our mess. The other thing that this tells us this morning is that we shouldn't be hiding our messes. The things that, that we struggle with, the things that we need help with, whether it's, it's sickness, whether it's a, some form of need, sometimes our pride, sometimes our arrogance, that I can just handle this on my own, it'll be fine. Sometimes those thoughts get in the way of others having the opportunity to, to show love to us, of others having the opportunity for their faith to be strengthened when God shows up and moves in the miraculous way that he wants to. Jesus is not afraid of your mess. Because Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. We shouldn't be afraid of each other's messes either. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you came down. That you, you sent your son to come down to, to earth to be in the middle of our mess.
in the middle of, of the mistakes that we've made, in the middle of the, the trials, the hardships that we find ourselves, and you meet us in the midst of those things. And yet you still desire to, to bring healing, you still desire to bring restoration and wholeness. God, you still desire to make us clean. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gift of your love. God, we ask that you would bless each person here as they prepare to go into their week, as they prepare to spend time with family, as they prepare to spend time with the people that they work with, whoever they come in contact with, God, I ask that you would direct words, that you would direct thoughts, that you would direct actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 